Uh, hi, this is Heidi McDonald. Uh, welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's weekly podcast about the world of comics and graphic novels. Uh, today, we are recording live from Comic-Con, and now a se- second year in a row, yearly tradition now, I am talking to the one, the only, the man, the myth, the Morrison, the Grant Morrison. Grant, how's it going? My name is an anagram of staring moron. <laughs> All right. Well, he's here to set us straight on things, I think. Uh, definitely. Uh, Grant, um, we talked to you last year about your book. Uh, for, it like yesterday, doesn't it? It does. It does that way. All right. The groundhog dayness of this. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Like, you come and, like, you realize that we're here for five days and you go into the convention center and you realize that that you've spent some of the happiest and most amazing, incredible moments of your mm-hmm. life in this place. <laughs> yeah, and you've, you've, you've gained lost friends, you've been drunk, you've, you know, you've fallen into the toilet face first, we've done it all. Yes, we've fallen in love <laughs> when we've fallen out of love here. Yes, it's it's uh, truly all time and place. Uh, so what are you, now you were doing the book for Liquid, for Liquid Comics? Oh, I got the name right. What was it, the 20... 20- what are you talking about? What's the book you were, what is the book you're doing with Sherrod? I'm doing the book, I'm doing this 18 days thing, but that, that isn't me though. I mean the, the book is actually I did this huge pitch for this right. condensing the Mahabharata. Right, thing. yes, yes, yes. You guys have been talking yeah, about it. So yeah. it's been going on forever. But okay. they they basically took my my proposal and turned it into comics. So I'm not writing all those mm. I am writing the Avatar X thing, right. which is this new superhero for India. Oh, okay. So well, that's okay. the one I'm actually mm. fucking Oh, on. right. Tell us about Avatar X. This is Phantom Girl from the old 1970s Dave Cochran oh, comics. Yeah. That was my favourite costume and she's not carrying off. I know. As well as I Phantom know. Girl did Oh, no. Graham, be careful. People will listen to this and they say that you were phantom shaming. So be careful. Okay? What's that? Phantom, you were phantom shaming. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I've lived to exist in this world. Uh, well, you know what? Let's let's talk okay. a little about. Yeah, so I'm doing this Avatar. <laughs> uh, then, we'll, right? yeah, we're going to come back to the other stuff. But just tell us about Avatar X, because I know, you know, your 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 activities are of great interest to our listeners and readers. Well, it's, I stopped doing American superhero stuff pretty much, apart from Wonder Woman. So I kind of, I like the idea of relaunching almost, starting that from scratch in India, which is a very different culture. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of emergent culture for the 21st century where they're right. starting to question a lot of their own assumptions, as, but it's still one of the most ancient, most beautifully constructed cultures in the world with mythology that goes back so deep that it's right. part of all of our DNA. So I kind of love the idea of being Stan Lee for India to a certain extent. So I went in with this Avatar X concept, which is a almost an Indian Superman and then out of that we're going to do this first season 12 issues that introduce a bunch of new superheroes that kind of build it up as an entire universe based in India but kind of taking on contemporary problems from a very different perspective. Cool. Uh, is this, uh, I mean obviously it combines a lot of your interests. Um, I mean you're still interested in the superheroic myth even if you're not interested in American comics. I mean do you feel like you've done American superheroes I've done to death? And also or? like I said, American superheroes become this arm of the military entertainment complex and it's still there, you know, Batman's a soldier, it's like no, everyone's fighting, everyone, the Avengers work for the government. It's, when did that happen? Right. It kind of, but I think it happened from Alan Moore's Miracle Man on, you know, it was that Notion of course, if a superhero exists in the real world, they work for the military. Well, that is probably true, to be fair. (laughs) But it is true, but the idea of saying if superheroes were real is to me insane. It's always been insane. Superheroes are only real in the form of paper and light on screens 
and their allegorical symbolic figures. The notion of imagining what a superhero would be like when he was drinking his coffee or going to the toilet is absurd. <laughs> Never happen. You know, it's like, yeah, the moon's made of green cheese. Let's do a twelve-issue graphic novel. You know, it's insane. So my idea has always been: these things are symbols of how we all feel inside. Our lives are superhero dramas. Our boyfriends and girlfriends are Lois Lane, and so it's kind of. I still see it as that. I see them as very valuable in the sense of allegory and right. symbol, and they have no other meaning beyond that. So I'm kind of got bored with the, the soldiers who believe in the idea, imagine they were real. Mm. <laughs> imagine Donald Trump was real, deal with that America. Yeah. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> God, we could sit here for an hour, yeah. I'm sure. Um, Grant, we talked earlier, this, well it was last year, uh, time all time runs together. I th- yeah, recently like recently <laughs> we spoke about yeah. your Wonder Woman graphic yeah, novel. And, uh, and you expressed the possibility that I might be torn apart in the streets I and it didn't did, happen. You know, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's not, but, but, well, I, you know, listen, people are very, very, uh, you know, they're very scrutin- they scrutinize mm-hmm. everything. And, and I think it's kind of important yeah. that they're looking at the, the, the subtext. No, I, I mean, you know. Believe it, yeah. yeah. And I work with subtext, so I'm absolutely, I was scrutinizing before they got to right, me. Right, right. You know? So <laughs> I kind of thought it all through, and I think we thought, oh, it's very genuine, it's very honest. Right. And it is men doing this, but I have to say that of all the creatures on this planet who have an interest in women, Men are probably the most <laughs> the most interested in women. Yeah. We've been watching women for a long fucking oh my time. God. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, it's true. It's like it's true. Who's, who's interested in you most on this planet? Men. Well, well that's, so that's true. Maybe they, these opinions are of interest, I and mean, they might be wrong. They might be from a perspective that is not the female perspective, but they're interesting because they show us yeah. what we look like from outside. Well, yeah. uh, listen, it was very well received. And and uh, which I'm pleased for. I'm actually very. I'm very pleased. I thought it was a really. Uh, it was a very good. It was honest. And we it, were taking on the idea that yeah. Maston's vision and Peter's vision was cheesecake. It was like they all had bee sting lips, as we yeah, talked about. These yeah. were women who, were, and they were physically perfect, and it was, they were isolationist. Right. And I think we had to take that on board. But out of all that, out of that book, the character I'm most interested in is Hippolyta Wondering's mother. Right. I'm fascinated. Wonder Woman's mother, unfortunately, slightly more fascinating than I'm in Wonder Woman herself. Yeah. Well, tell us about uh, Volume Two then. Volume Two is even more masculine like it's much more to do with bondage, and, and basically, I've I've, oh, had, I've had very brilliant friends who are women, like super brilliant, powerful, strong women who've been taken apart by narcissistic, sociopathic players, mm-hmm. pickup artists, who've done it to them. And so the second one's about that. So who's one of them do that? <laughs> nice! Wow, you heard it here first, people. Yeah. Wow, this sounds excellent. Uh, I that's and a, I've that's watched a, the best, the best women, the greatest, the smartest, the most brilliant, the most intelligent, the most educated, being taken apart by little shits. I, I know we do tend yeah. to let that happen. And sometimes. I want you to talk about that. Mm. I want to give you a manual to fight these fuckers. What do you think of how though, like all the. Uh, you know, girl geeks, girl nerds, and I mean, look, when you first met me, maybe I was one of the first, you know, there was me and ten other girls, yeah, let's yeah, face it, absolutely. you know, and now we're sitting here in the in a lobby of the hotel, and there's probably more women sitting around us, mm-hmm. or it's certainly 50-50, yeah. and, uh, you know, and they're passionate, I mean, there's nothing, you know, not to just, I mean, I know this, but I mean, just, there's absolutely fans, rabid, mm-hmm. rabid fans, 
and and it, it's it you know what you just said is absolutely thousand part true you know brilliant women who are you know yeah. able to accomplish but you know they fall for the bad boy I've and then it's it. yeah yeah of course you have I don't want to talk about you it. live in the world <laughs> of course you've seen it but uh do you think women have a chance to get more empowered about that kind of stuff i mean i i see fewer of my friends sort of like i don't know i mean the, the, mo- the more everyone realizes what's been done to them and the more we recognize I've, i've got a very simple binary system and it comes from a, a scottish a comedy show called Chew in the Fat and they had this sketch where it basically divide people into good guys wankers mm-hmm. and it's good guys wankers so there's, yeah, there's some Islamic good guys there's some Islamic wankers there's some black good guys there's some black wankers some feminist good guys some feminist wankers I'm going to say the good guys yeah. and I do not I don't judge people on anything other than what they do right right I know that's a, the golden rule I think we're going to go back to that uh, at some point Uh, are you, you know, another thing you told me, I really enjoyed writing your profile, by the way. I, you know, I had the transcript and it was really, uh, it was really fun to get to ask you those questions and it made me think of more questions for you, Okay, good. So, which is why I'm really yeah, glad we're getting to do that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I asked you, like, you know, what's left for you to do and you said, oh, I've really done it all, you know? But, I mean, do you, like, like, that can't be true, can it? I mean, how did you get to do it all, you know? like. Like, but I will say when I was writing, looking at the books you've written, I was kind of like, wow, you actually have kind of done it all. In that sphere, yeah. So now, the last year has just been me doing TV and film stuff and announcements will be made probably this weekend. Right. I know what I've been up to, but yeah. that's what I've been. I just want to get a wider audience. I've done this and it's kind of... What about, but you have also done a whole bunch of books recently, like uh, Nameless, mm-hmm. right? And Happy, mm-hmm. right? Well, you told me Happy was about your time in Hollywood. Is that the one that was well, about... No, no, that was Annihilator. But no, Happy, Annihilator yeah. was the one about your Happy time. Happy was actually just about Simon Cowell. That was my first idea. Where, <laughs> you know, our pop culture now, it's been, it's middle-aged people who are pointing at young people and saying, if you don't sound like this, if you don't do this, you're a failure. And right. it drove me mad and everyone, all these young kids up dancing and doing their best and like doing their little dance and then a bunch of middle-aged people saying, nah, nah, <laughs> shit, rubbish. You know, and creative people just been under this weird pressure now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people now who have a voice who can just say, nah, rubbish. Yeah. That thing you spent an entire year thinking about, that's yeah, rubbish, not interested. You know, right. And it's, so Happy was about that idea of there's all these people and it was about black culture it was about outsider culture they all want it they all want the energy but they point the finger yeah you're shit you're shit right, you're shit right. but give it your energy and that's what happy was about those little dancing those last moment of hope on your shoulder saying no honestly yeah we all know it's shit we all know we're dying it's a shitty fucking universe we're all dying slowly <laughs> right. our body. but hey there's this little thing in your shoulder saying maybe it could be better Maybe you could try a little harder, maybe you could dance a little harder, maybe you could smile more. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I think sometimes when you see those things, it is like you know someone who sings, you know, an amazing, amazing singer. They're like, oh, you should go on Star Search or, you know, American Idol or any of these shows. And, you know, guess what? Then there's just somebody who sings pretty good, you know? Yeah, and but it's not... But and it's, it's only if they sing a Celine Dion song. Yeah. I mean, well, I just want people to... Because I grew up in a time, and I'm sure you remember that time of punk, and self-expression was the most important thing in the world. Right. And even if it was shit, even if a band couldn't play the guitar properly or sing properly, as long as they expressed something right. that you felt as a teenager or as a 20-year-old, or, then it was real and it was important. And I feel as if that's been squashed so badly. Well, everybody has yeah. to have an image, don't yeah. they? 
it's very, we're very, I mean, because everyone wants to be super successful, which means appealing to middle aged people who are in control of culture, which means crushing your personal expression yeah. and forcing it into this idea if I don't ah, if I don't sound like Christina then I'm not a singer right. no fucking Patti Smith never thought that right she yeah. was she was her yeah. Patti Smith I know it takes a lot of courage though to be be yourself I don't even think it took courage those days it was just it was encouraged yeah. but now it's not it takes courage now to be yourself because you'll be shut on you'll yeah be, well you'll be homogenized and you'll you'll go on a chat group that just <laughs> You know, it like flattens you down to suit the consensus. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And you know, then you have to uh, uh, measure yourself up against the Kardashians. You know, who basically yeah, spend all their time looking amazing, but they don't even look amazing. They look grotesque. <laughs> but they've somehow made looking grotesque into some global phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> and they take a thousand selfies to get one right. Yeah, Remember we used I to know. Take one photograph, and we always. I great. know, right? And we're like, oh my god, we have one yeah, because we were young and mad, uh, and like, uh, even if you look stupid and drunk, your photograph looks great. Yeah, now. but then, Greg, come on, we look at those pictures, and we're like, oh no, no right? Oh, those no. clothes still look good. I, uh, a lot of them do. Listen, I have few regrets. Um, all my regrets involve real estate, honestly. Uh, just real fast. I, I know you got to get going, but um, uh, you know, well, how has your relationship with Comic Con changed over the years? You know, as we said, we've been coming a long time. It's just become like Groundhog Day, that's the weird thing. It's like, I was talking to Crystal and on the way down, I remember the last year's journey on the way down like it was yesterday. Yeah. And now we're doing this. And so I remember talking to you a year ago and it feels like yesterday. It's, the older we get, the more it crushes together into this weird duel. Yeah. It's like Superman crushing coal into diamond. <laughs> at the end of our lives, we'll look back and it'll just be one big comic. Right. <laughs> Are you, do you still like, is it important for you professionally still? or personally or both? Not so much. I remember when I was coming here like 20 years ago with Matt Miller and Gareth Dennis, it felt super important. Now it feels like I kind of, kind of have to do it. You know, it's almost, but it's still fun. Yes, it? of course it's still fun. And the whole idea of it's fun. I love to see younger people and the fact that we were right. We were fucking right. The only response to a rapidly changing connected world is sci-fi, fantasy, all the stuff we were talking about 20 years before everyone else. Yeah. And that's why we did come to listen to what we have to say. Yeah. But honestly, you know, they can do better than this to explain the world. Yeah. But this well, is the best we got now. Well, it is that it's it's sort of like now it's the place to make your mark in a way. Like people come if they dress up or they. In, in twenty years time, I think the entire world will be like this. This is a model of in the future, everyone will dress as Wonder Woman or Doctor Manhattan. Everyone will embody their own superhero in the way that they do it online. Uh, I think you might be right about that, and I, I hope I'm around to see it. Uh, I hope you're around to see it, and then well, you can push my wheelchair. Well, we'll yeah, I'll push your wheelchair, uh, and we'll both be sitting here and doing a podcast, hopefully. <laughs> and it will seem like this was yesterday. It will. It will. Well, Grant, thank you so much for Me taking too. the time, as always, and uh, you know, happy Comic Con. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. 
Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Uh, we are here at San Diego Comic-Con um, at the DC booth, and I have the great pleasure to be here with Cecil Castellucci. Uh, um, Castellucci, I apologize. Yeah. Cecil, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you. Come it's always <laughs> nice to talk with you. Okay, well, I, 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 I want to let our, our listeners know a little bit more about you, but I'd rather have you say it than me. I mean, you're a, a children's book author, a musician as well, which I don't know that much about, uh, but I do know you as an author, and I certainly know you as a comics publisher. Maybe you could, uh, you know, you're working on a really interesting new comic now, but first I'd love for you to just say a few words about your background. Sure. Um, well, I guess my first career was a punk rock musician. I was in an indie rock band at the beginning. It was called Nerdy Girl, uh, because uh, one of my big songs was a song about Star Wars and oh, cool. liking Star Wars. Uh, and then I've written a bunch of uh, young adult novels, Boy Proof, The Queen of Cool, uh, First Day on Earth, Hint Star, uh, and then uh, comics here with DC Comics. I did The Plain Janes. Yes. For a second, I did That's Odd That's when I first got, really started to yeah. know more. I, I mean, I didn't know your work as, a, as an author, but yeah. then you started doing the comics. Okay. Yeah. Particularly under the Manx line, yeah. which was a, a high profile I know. and interesting, and it really sad that it uh, so went sad. away. But, so sad. Yeah. I love the Plain Janes. I'm always hoping mm-hmm. that maybe they'll um, that DC Comics hear me. DC <laughs> will uh, will bring it out as a um, as an omnibus, like yeah. book one and book yeah. two together. So you know, put okay, your well wishes out there. That's a that's a plug yeah. to the uh, yeah. to those listening at DC. Exactly. You know, we bring it back. Uh, but one of the reasons why I'm here, obviously, is to hear about. Um, Shade the Changing Man, but uh, we are going to get a new look at this character, uh, which is a very interesting, and I admit, I, I only know it more by reputation than actually reading the comics, uh, but the character started under the iconic Steve Ditko. Yes. Maybe you can tell us a little bit yeah. more about the character and what you're going to do with it. Yeah, so uh, Shade the Changing Man, sorry, I almost said girl, Shade the Changing Man <laughs> uh, was uh, created by Steve Ditko, and uh, and it's a it's a man, of an alien from Planet Meta and he has an M-Vest and the power that he has is madness and the M-Vest gives him little things like he can fly and uh, some strength and stuff Um, and then it was rebooted on Vertigo uh, in the 90s by Peter Milligan and um, and uh, that shade has a a madness coat and sort of uh, is in the stream of madness in America and sort of dealing with madness in America and fighting the madness and um, being in the madness and just madness everywhere Okay, And, and it's really wonderful and beautiful and brilliant and crazy and uh, uh, nonsensical and completely exactly makes sense you know uh, and um, and so now we're gonna have shade the changing girl ah. and um, this is a, a it's an alien from the same planet meta mm-hmm. uh, that rack shade is from in the Ditko and the Milligan and it's a um, it's an alien who possesses the body of a 16 year old girl and that girl, it turns out, was the biggest bully in her school. And so now she has to navigate this life that she didn't live dealing with the superpower of madness. Very interesting. Um, this seems very timely as we, we certainly seem to be living in a time of social and political madness. Um, uh, is, yeah. It'll be interesting to see a comic that is surfing this, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Uh, the zeitgeist, in a way, yeah, I guess. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, and it's definitely something that... That uh, that I you know that I'm that I'm thinking about and that I'm you know sort of building up to mm. you know at some point, but it is kind of like crazy when you look at the world and you're like, wow, it is there's madness everywhere. You know? yeah. 
Um, now, you're, it's very, we're in a time of inclusiveness in so many ways. Um, comics publishers are no different. I mean, certainly DC and Marvel, they get, their, they get some criticism for it, but really, yeah. I've never seen a broader effort across the comics industry, yeah. um, publishing in general, to, to open up the doors to more than one kind of character. Yeah. Uh, without spoilers, can you talk about what kind of perspective you're bringing to this iconic series that now is making this switch uh, in a way that should be really interesting to the marketplace? I mean, <laughs> well, I think that, um, you know, I think that... I I, I guess I bring girls. You hit, well, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> the main thing. You bring that yeah, girl perspective. I bring girl perspective. And, and also, I think, like, you know, I've always been an outsider. You know, mm -hmm. as a punk rocker, I've always been alternative. I've always been on the outside. Sort of that's what I associate with. And so I feel like bringing that lens in, um, you know, is bringing a different kind of voice to you sure. know, stuff. And also, it's like I always have diverse characters, diverse casts, diverse, you know. So, um, so I think I'm just bringing that sort of that sort of sure. role to it. And I'm very, very happy to say that our entire Shade team, with the exception of one, is uh, I mean, it's all girls, you oh, know? Okay. So it's like Good. an all-girl team. Marley Zarconi is the artist. Kelly Fitzpatrick is the colorist. Um, and Seda Temafonte is the um, the letterer. So And Molly Mahan is great. one of the editors. So well, I, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Sometimes oh, we hear about ideas of diversity, but it's great to see that it's happening on the creator side as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so... Um, what can you tell us about the artists and developing this new look? I mean, and have you worked with... I know you've worked with Becky Cloonan before. She's yeah. doing the covers. She's doing the covers, yeah. But, uh, and the, um, the other artist, um, Marley? Marley, yeah. Yeah, uh, what can yeah. you tell us about her? Well, about Marley? Uh, Marley, Marley is amazing. She did Effigy and, um, you know, the, and, and uh, I pretty much every single time I get pencils or inks from Marley, I swoon. It's just the most gorgeous thing and the way that she's sort of blossoming with madness on the page is just beautiful um uh, we actually have a secret pinterest board where we sort of pull oh, okay. images that we think look like madness uh so that we kind of are are building a visual um dictionary for each other um it's just me and her you know yeah, in yeah. there and um and uh, actually, we just added Kelly, the colorist, in there, so okay. she could kind of see sort of what how we're well, sort of thinking. Well, interesting how creators work together yeah. in this so, age of remote, you know, yeah. collaboration. So I think it's a lot of conversations, and I think when you're dealing with writing about madness, which is like, how do you define that? How do you, how do you, how do you? How do you articulate that? You know, um, so uh, so in my scripts, I do a lot of sort of personal, like, here's what I'm thinking, Marley. Yeah. But I, you know, do what you think is best. But I think maybe, you know, so it's more like a conversation yeah. between mm -hmm. us, um, because she's a master and she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Young Animal line. This is a part of that, right? The uh, yep. the, the Gerard Way led. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about that working in this? Well, I gotta say, Gerard Way is the nicest person in the world. <laughs> he's so fun to work with. I I love him. He, I feel like he's my art conspirator and like a, a sort of uh, an art kindred person that I can sort of bounce ideas off of and be like, hey, here's what I'm thinking of doing. And then him and I can have a conversation and then he just kind of lets me go. Cool. And I feel like that's the sort of magical quality that Gerard has and I think that I think that young animal from what I sort of have sort of my little views um, makes it seem like it's um it's gonna be quite something. 
All right, great. Well, uh, this is great. I know you're working on some other interesting projects for another publisher, but we'll find another time to talk about that. Great. So, uh, Cecil, thank you so much for thank being you. on More Thanks, to Come. Thanks, Calvin. Bye. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, back on the floor of the San Diego Comic-Con International, the biggest pop culture festival in North America. Um, and we are recording now live from Top Shelf in the IDW booth uh, on the floor. And I have the great pleasure to be talking with Corin Shabney, um, uh, Israeli graphic novel artist. Um, uh, I think I first met you, uh, talked to you, it was 2009 when you're First yeah, book first was published book out, in yeah. the flesh. Uh, Corin, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you. Uh, you've got a new book out now, but you've had a—I mean, you've really had an interesting career here. I think since that first book came out from Random House, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, a really, a really terrific co- uh, collection of um, of short literary uh, art comic shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, in some ways, it seems as though your work, even though it's been ver- various. Uh, certainly, some of your work has those strains in that first book. You know, uh, I've seen in other works, and maybe certainly in this new work you have out, which seems very different from it. So we're anxious to hear you talk about it. But perhaps you could just give our listeners uh, a, a little bit of your background. I'd rather, I'm always rather hear the artist talk about this. So, so yeah, uh, tell our listeners something about uh, about yourself. Uh, well, I came to New York in 2002. I'm originally from Israel. Um, and in Israel, I did comics too. I had a few books published when I was a teenager, which mm-hmm. I'm really hoping no one ever sees. Um, and then um, I did service in the Israeli Defense Force as a graphic designer. So mm-hmm. I didn't see much action or have any great, um, you know, uh, stories, war stories. But then I came to to New York to study at the School of Visual Arts, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I stayed here. And I mostly do illustration, mm-hmm. and um, you know, comics. You know, as everybody knows, it's difficult to make a living off of comics. So it's kind of I juggle both illustration mm-hmm. and comics, mm-hmm. and uh, I try to keep producing work uh, on the side whenever I can. So I think that first book was called in the flesh, but can, can tell us about some of your other books and you've done a web comic as well. Yes. Uh, so in the flesh was a, a, a collection of short stories. And then after that, I did a web comic called the Abaddon, which actually came out last year with uh, Z2 comics. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was kind of a horror mystery, uh, comic that was based on loose, very loosely on Jean-Paul Sartre's No Exit. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of existential. Uh, and then, um, yeah, those were main, the, my main, mm-hmm. you know, books. And then now, just uh, this month, uh, my book came out, Love Addict. Yeah. Uh, came and out. You did a you did a uh, a print version of Abaddon too. Yes, the, yes the, yeah. that's that's the yeah, book from a different that publisher, came out with yeah. uh, Z two comics. Z two comics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, uh, yeah, so it took a while for it to like transition from webcomic to uh, to an actual printed book. You know, maybe like four years or something. Yeah, well, yeah. But um, whatever it takes. But yeah, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it seems like things. My books always come out first in France, which is really strange because whenever I'm in France and they're like, "What? This didn't come out in English yet?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, right. Like, it just happens to be." So the same was with the Abaddon. It yeah. came out uh, like. 
you know, right after the webcomic came out in France and then a few years later, and now it just came out in, Ita in Italian. So it's slowly kind of, you know, appearing All in right. places. Okay. Yeah. But you've got a new book coming out now, coming out now uh, mm -hmm. from Top Shelf, mm -hmm. and, uh, Love Addict, a Confessions of a Serial Dater. Yes. Uh, little, it's like some of your books, but unlike some of your books. And, and in some ways, it's, it, it's, it seems almost like a throwback to certain like um, underground comics use it's a sort of confessions confessional but it's sex confessional in some ways yes um, I mean I've always been really inspired by Robert Crumb yeah mm -hmm. uh, which is I guess is like you know the father of all these sure. basically confessional comics uh, but also Peter Bag and yeah and uh, Joe Matt and like all these things that I, I think I discovered later uh, you know, most people were reading them in the 90s, mm -hmm. and I w was reading them only like, I don't know, like six or whatever years ago. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, there was a resistance in me to doing a kind of bio comics, mm -hmm. but this, I basically, uh, in the nutshell, the book is about yeah. a character that goes on, on basically is not, you know, he, he uh, gets off a long term relationship and then starts. Uh, online dating and then he, it becomes kind of um, an obsessive uh, you know pastime where uh, he binge dates and just overdo overdoes it completely uh, so he starts from this kind of like really shy guy and and like turns into this dating monster <laughs> okay. um, so I mean I, I this is not exactly what happened to me but um, that one year where I was online dating was just so strange and so um, such a such a memorable experience that I thought it would be really a great uh, basis for a book. So that's why you know there was a resistance in me to doing because my other stuff is not really biographical mm -hmm. that much. So there was a resistance in me, but eventually I was like, you know, I'm just gonna dive in there and like go all the way mm -hmm. with the bio mm -hmm. comic type of. Uh, uh, direction yeah. Yeah. so you know sort of your life but but better <laughs> or worse <yeah. laughs> or, or worse as the case yeah. may be yeah. um, but it, it, uh, one of the things obviously I noticed immediately about the book of course it's it, it seems to be very comic in tone um, but also there's a different drawing style I mean you yeah, I, I certainly uh, describe your early stories as, as, as literary comics and, and I mean that in the best sense nuanced I mean really looking for complexity uh, and kind of you know insight you know yeah. into like how people react to each other I yeah. mean not this book will have it too but this seems to have a comic edge to it and a comic drawing style is, is that a fair description yeah yeah I think that I really believe that you need to adjust your drawing style to mm. whatever the book is about and I'm not I, I really don't want my my drawings to be like etched in stone mm -hmm. so um, so and for this book, I really thought, you know, when, when you do go on a lot of dates, you realize that it is really funny. Like, people yeah. are really weird, and you go on a lot of dates, I mean, both girls and guys, and actually the girls that have told me dating stories, they have much weirder stories oh, than yeah. I had. So um, everybody, you know, you're going on a blind date with mm -hmm. a complete stranger, so it's going to be funny, but also dark, you know, so it's... Ooh. it's it has both those, both those things. Yeah. So you've been you've been signing today at Comic Con. Maybe what's it like being a, uh, an author at Comic Con? I mean, um, I mean, I just landed like yeah. an hour ago, so it's kind of I'm a little shell shocked. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people and 
Um, you know, I've been to New York Comic Con, so it's yeah. kind of similar, but you know, it's uh, it's intense. Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, oh, and lest I forget, I yeah. mean, as we were chatting before we started here, um, you just got married, and indeed, I mean, some version of your relationship is indeed in the book as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, the book, um, I'm not going to ruin the ending, but yeah, 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 I mean, I did just get married and my wife uh, now is in the book. She's one of the characters. Mm. And obviously, like, you know, I was working on the book while we were dating and it was, let me tell you, I don't, I don't recommend doing a <laughs> bio comic about relationships while you're in a relationship because it gets really tricky yeah. so but she was really like she took it really well and she was very understanding and the book is dedicated to her awesome. okay. so that was my you know <laughs> consolation prize for her and um, <laughs> I hope she you know she sees that it's all you know it just leads up to 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 what you know me being with her, which is well, you know, a great thing. Our, our props to her for her contribution to the artistic <laughs> yeah. process. Uh, no doubt, a lot to ask uh, of a wife to be. Yeah. Uh, well, look, Corin, uh can't wait to see the book. And I mean, I, I am. I've been peeking through it. I'm going to get a copy. Cool. Uh, so um, I'm a big fan of your work. Obviously, going back for years. But thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you.